You are listening to the June 5th edition of the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and I have the privilege of being the host or the tour guide, if you will, this year as we journey through all of Scripture using the one-year Bible plan. And we're reading out of the New Living Translation. Each day we have an Old Testament, a New Testament, a proverb, and a psalm reading. And we're going to jump in today with our Old Testament reading, 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 24, through chapter 24, verse 25. Chapter 23, verse 24. Sorry, I got distracted because it's kind of cool how the numbers go. 2 Samuel 23, 24 through 24, 25. 23, 24, 24, 25. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. And if you don't have ADHD like me, that means nothing to you. <laughs> so verse 24. Other members of the 30 included Ashiel, Joab's brother, Elihal, son of Dodo, which by the way, who wants to be the son of Dodo? Nobody. <laughs> from Bethlehem, Shechem from Herod, Elikai from Herod, Helizias from Pelon, Ira, son of Ikesh, from Tekoa, Ebezer from Anoth, Sebeshia from Hushan, Zalman from Aho, Maharai from Zeretepha, Helid from Beniah, from Nepaten, Ittai, son of Ribai, from Gibeah, in the land of Benjamin, Beniah from Pirathon, Hariah from Nahel Gash, Abi Abalon from Abiram, Azimuth from Baharam, Elihab from Shadab, the sons of Jeshon, Jonathan, son of Shagiar from Hair, Aham, son of Sharir from Hair, Alififat, son of Ashibah from Makkah, Aliam, son of Ahahital from Gihilal, Hezero from Carmel, Farah from Arba, Egel, son of Nathan from Zobah, Benaiah from Gad, Zelik from Amnon, Nahirah from Biroth, the armor bearer of Joab, son of Zerai, Ira from Jatir, Gerab from Jatir, Uriah the Hittite. There were 37 in all. And if you're wondering, of those 37, how many did Blake pronounce correctly? We could venture to say zero. Um, you know God has a sense of humor that there would be a guy one day reading a bunch of Hebrew names living in the state of Oklahoma. I mean, we barely even speak English here in Oklahoma. We got our own redneck dialect, and I'm trying to read huge names. But there you go, 37 of them in all. Now, chapter 24, verse 1. Once again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he caused David to harm them by taking a census. Go and count the people of Israel and Judah, the Lord told him. And there we go, folks. We have evidence that the census is harmful to people. I'm just kidding. Be a good American and fill out your census. Yes, I am more distracted today than usual. I'm going to try to not make any more pointless comments to the rest of the Old Testament reading. Pray for me. Verse 2. So the king said to Joab and the commanders of the army, Take a census of all the tribes of Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, so I may know how many people there are. But Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God let you live to see a hundred times as many people as there are now. But why, my lord the king, do you want to do this? But the king insisted that they take the census. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out to count the people of Israel. First they crossed the Jordan and camped at Aor, south of the town in the valley in the direction of Gad. Then they went on to Jezior, then to Gilead in the land of Tahitim Hadishah, 
and to Dan Jayan around to Sidian. Then they came to the fortress of Tyre and all the towns of the Hivites and Canaanites. Finally, they went south to Judah as far as Beersheba. Having gone through the entire land for nine months and twenty days, they returned to Jerusalem. Joab reported the number of people to the king. There were 800,000 capable warriors in Israel who could handle a sword and 500,000 in Judah. But after he had taken the census, David's conscience began to bother him. And he said to the Lord, I've sinned greatly by taking the census. Please forgive my guilt, Lord, for doing this foolish thing. The next morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, who was David's seer. This was the message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. Choose one of these punishments, and I will inflict it on you. So Gad came to David and asked him, Will you choose three years of famine throughout your land, three months of fleeing from your enemies, or three days of severe plague throughout your land? Think this over and decide what answer I should give the Lord who sent me. I'm in a desperate situation, David replied to Gad, but let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. Do not let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel that morning, and it lasted for three days. A total of 70,000 people died throughout the nation, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. But as the angel was preparing to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, Stop, that is enough. At that moment, the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Ahrenon, the Jezusite. When David saw the angel, he said to the Lord, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. But these people are as innocent as sheep. What have they done? Let your anger fall against me and my family. That day Gad came to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ahiron the Jebusite. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. When Ahiron saw the king and his men coming toward him, he came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord the king? Ahiron asked. David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there, so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord the king, and use it as you wish, Ahiron said to David. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and you can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Ahiron, No, I insist on buying it. For I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him fifty pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. And this concludes our Old Testament reading. We'll now move on to our New Testament reading for today, June 5th. And that is Acts chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Now, I want to pause for a second because there's something interesting. Um, now, the, the point of the story is obviously the beggar, and we're going to learn more about that in just a second. But what's really interesting is Peter and John are going to the temple to take part in the, in the 3 o'clock prayer service, which a lot of us just look over. But uh, what's interesting here is that they are going to the temple, the Jewish temple. See, a lot of people think that uh, Christianity and uh, 
the Israelite Jewish belief are different, that Jesus came and he set up something opposed to the Israelites. And that's not the heart of the early church at all. Unfortunately, it became like that over time, but, but really the Jewish faith and the Christian faith are the same, that they work together. The Jewish faith speaks of a Messiah who will come and be God's ultimate plan for salvation of the world. Jesus comes into that context as the Messiah of the Jewish faith. Now, you see, over time, what has happened is uh, there are a lot of people who would claim to be Jewish that deny Jesus as Messiah, and a lot of Gentiles who have no Jewish background, i.e. the guy reading the Bible in this podcast, who have no basis for uh, the Jewish faith, and what happens is two distinct faiths. But one of the things I'm really passionate about is helping people see that the Jewish Bible, the Jewishness of our faith, is super important because Jesus was a Jew. He was the answer to the Jewish problem. He is the Messiah. Peter and John didn't see a distinction here. They just said, hey, we're all awaiting God's divine plan. We think that divine plan has come true in Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. And this is the gospel, my friend. The good news is that Jesus is the one that God promised to come. And how does he crush sin and death? Well, he does it by living a perfect righteous life that we could not live, dying on a cross, pouring out his atoning blood to cleanse you of your sin and filth. And then, three days later, he rises again, proving he was who he says he was, and he did what he said he would do. And also, as new creation bursting forth, he is no longer the suffering servant, he is now the glorious king. And we await the day in which he comes back and he sets all things right physically. The earth will be restored. You will be restored if you trust in him. And the dead will rise. And there will be a new kingdom, much like the original kingdom that we read about in Genesis 1 and 2. Where there's perfect harmony between man and man and perfect harmony between man and God. The gospel, the good news, is that if you trust in this, you get to share in that. You are invited to the table with God through Jesus. So trust in him. The past element of that is your sins are completely forgiven. It is finished. It is done. In Jesus, there is no shame or condemnation. The present element of that is you have the Holy Spirit indwelt within you, giving you power and purpose in this life. And the future element is you have a hope to look forward to, that one day you will be a part of the kingdom of God, in which Jesus rules and reigns. Not only a citizen of the kingdom, but a member of the family. Yeah, beautiful. Anyways, continuing on. Verse 4. That is the gospel. Trust in it. Repent. Turn from your wisdom to Jesus' wisdom today. Verse 4. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. That verse, I've read it before, but it just brought up a memory in my mind. I remember one time eating at Panda Express. Amen. Gotta love that orange chicken. Uh, there was a homeless man uh, outside, and I just remember being struck with sadness for him as I saw him uh, smoking some sort of drugs uh, out of a energy uh, drink can. He had turned it into to a, like a, a bong type thing and was smoking what I presumed to be marijuana out of it. And um, this the compassion and sadness I felt for him. And just interesting as I read this, I wonder what, you know, maybe what I should have done is um, said, hey, you know, I, 
I can't provide you a place to live. I can't really do a whole lot for you, but I can tell you the good news of Jesus because ultimately that would be what would help that man the most. Maybe perhaps the reason that was brought to my mind is because soon I'll have another chance to do something like that. I don't know. Just very interesting. The things that God brings to mind while we read his word. I'd love to hear what he's bringing to your mind, by the way, also, because that's the point of this podcast. So let me know. Verse 9. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us, though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one, and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you now know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance, but God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah, for he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. As God promised long ago through his holy prophets, Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, Anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, Through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. That concludes our New Testament reading. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day, Proverbs 16, verse 21 through 23. The wise are known for their understanding, and pleasant words are persuasive. Discretion is a life-giving fountain to those who possess it, but discipline is wasted on fools. From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. And finally, we will be reading Psalm 123 in a posture of prayer. A song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. Verse 1. I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. Lord, we do look to you first and foremost and know that you are enthroned. You are the ground of all being. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Lord, so often I try to make myself king in my life, deciding what is right and wrong for myself. Or I fear the kings of this world. And yet, Lord, what do I have to fear when I know the Almighty King? Not only do I know him, but through Jesus I've been adopted into his family. I'm a citizen of his kingdom, a son of the Most High God. And Lord, how audacious and arrogant of me when I try to make myself king. Lord, I repent of that, and I turn my eyes to you. Verse 2. We keep looking to the Lord our God for his mercy, just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. 
Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy, for we have had our fill of contempt. Yes, Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Praise God that I no longer have to ask for your mercy, but I, I now experience it through Jesus. The good news that he poured out his blood for my sin so that I no longer have to wallow in shame and guilt is awesome. And yet, Lord, in another way, I ask for your mercy all the more as I live in a broken world and I await the day in which you come back and fully restore it. Have mercy on us, Lord. Do not tarry any longer than that which is necessary. Return. Make things right. Begin to make things right now through me, your servant, through the church. Lord, show us how we can be your mercy enacted on earth. Verse 4. We have had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. Yes, Lord, we have. And Lord, yes, we know that we are the arrogant. At least I do. Praise you, forgive me for my arrogance and my contemptuous nature. Lord, thank you for that forgiveness I have in the gospel of Jesus. That he lived the life I couldn't live, poured out his blood for me, and rose again, promising that I would have and be able to share in the same resurrection if I trusted in him. Thank you, Lord. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me here on June 5th for this particular reading of our podcast. Let me know what you thought, and I hope to see you back here tomorrow for another day of reading through the Bible together.